Welcome to Honest Money, your best guide to financial freedom. I'm Warren Ingram, the author of a few best-selling books, and I'm also an award-winning financial planner, and I've helped thousands of people on their journey to financial freedom. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I am here to share my experience and the best ideas that I've learned, and I hope these ideas help you on your journey to financial freedom. Welcome to Honest Money. Today, I, I trust you enjoy this episode because it's all about trusts. Uh, and we're going to get into the, the, the meat of this now, and I hope to make uh, not too many more corny puns, but I, I need to introduce our expert uh, guest today because trusts is quite a, a tricky field. Uh, so, so I thought, you know, I need to get some expert backup here. And welcome to George Robertson from Galileo Advisory Services. Th- thanks, George, for joining us. How's it, Warren? It's great to be part of the show. Thanks for inviting me. So trusts us are, are a topic that come up uh, regularly from from our listeners and especially you know parents with with young children, and uh, and I'm always scared to get into this topic not because it's a, a, a not an important topic it's a very important topic but because it's full of jargon it's full of legalese and and you know the, the show is meant to be educational and somewhat entertaining and I'm scared that we put people to sleep so I'm going to do my best to make sure that between me and George we we talk about this in plain language and any legalese will will kind of um, explain it as much as we possibly can. So just to give a little bit of background, what is a trust? Why do they exist? Trusts actually go back more than a thousand years. The, the oldest trust is, 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 has been around literally when the Europeans were invading Jerusalem back in the days of the Crusades. Uh, and, and how did they come about? Why, why were they there? It was, it was uh, because you'd have a landowner who, who would say, you know, he, he's got a farm somewhere in, in, in Europe or in the UK, and uh, he's going off to go and fight in the in in, in Jerusalem, and you know that's uh, a, a, um, battles that last six, eight, ten, thirty years sometimes. Uh, and someone needs to look after the the farm. Someone needs to look after the children who are left behind, um, and and stand for that person. You know, someone needs to actually you know be be the representative for the person who's no longer there. Uh, and the idea was that you know if if the children reached um, you know maturity and they became adults, they could take uh, take over responsibility for the farm and themselves again. But in the meantime, someone needed to be responsible, and and so this concept of trusts was formed, where where the the, the assets were then left to to the uh, someone literally called the trustee, someone that the let's just say the landowner really trusted that I had good knowledge about what was going on and also was in a position to actually look after the assets ethically and morally. And, and then they would look after the, the, the family as well uh, until such time as the family could look after themselves or hopefully that the, the landowner actually came back from war. But as we know, war, war kind of carries the risk that you never come back. So, so trusts are, are a very old uh, legal vehicle. They've been around in South Africa for a very long time as well. I don't, I don't know exactly when, but but very, very long time. And so they, they have a very good and important role to play in, in, in financial planning. However, I think the critical thing, and, and George, you are always welcome to disagree. This is honest money, so we can be honest. But, but the one thing I'd say is they are not designed to be tax planning vehicles. If you're looking at a trust as a way to avoid tax or, or to kind of dodge your taxes, you know, that, that is something that there were loopholes in the past, but I, I feel those loopholes were closed a long, long time ago. And so, so in South Africa, the primary purpose of a trust is to make sure that if you've got assets that need to go from you, from, from you as the owner of them to the next generation, then a, then a trust might be a very good idea. For example, if you are a parent with young children, it's, it's really a bad idea to, you know, to leave 
your five million rands worth of assets to your 13-year-old son uh, and, and hope that he's going to make clever decisions with the money as a 13-year-old. And, and so it's important then to say, well, I need the money to go from my name, my estate, into my trust. Um, and, and then the trustees are, are there to make sure that my, my child is looked after until my child is old enough uh, to, to, to look after himself. And, and so if, if that's the primary purpose of the trust, I think that that, that, that is why a trust should exist. If you want to use it to dodge tax, you're wasting time. And in fact, you know, often trusts are really tax prejudicial. You know, the, the SARS loves to tax trusts much more than they do companies and individuals. Have I got that about right, George? 100%, Warren, 100%. Yeah, look, there's a lot of um, changes in the trust law that happened the last couple of years. You know, um, the, the listeners might have um, picked up the Section 7C in the press. You know, it becomes technical. But if you loan money to a trust, then there's a you know, there's a deemed interest component on which you pay donation tax. You know, so so you've got to be careful just to establish a trust, to put cash in there and to start your investment. You've got to look at the tax implications around that because, um, you know, it becomes expensive for sure. So, so, so let's just talk about how, how, one, uh, how one starts a trust. So, so in the beginning, you're going to, you're going to write a document. Uh, it, it's it's uh, I can't rec- um, recommend strongly enough that you make sure you've got an expert helping you draw up that document. This is not something you can do uh, on the back of a cigarette box and hope that it's going to work out. So, so the starting point is draw up a, a document that establishes the trust. The legalese for that is a, is a trust deed. Am I right, George? 100% Warren. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's two ways of establishing a trust. It's called the, the living trust, the inter vivos trust. So that's a legal document that you would prepare now. And where you would, uh, there would be a founder and trustees, and they'll sign an agreement, and the trustees would be appointed, um, you know, with a duty to administer the assets in this trust on behalf of beneficiaries. So typically, the trustees would be the people that you trust, and the beneficiaries would be, you know, you and your spouse and your children, and then the trustees would be appointed to manage the funds on behalf of that beneficiaries, and then you go through a process to register this document at the master of the high court. And you get a letter of authority, you know, and then the trust is established and then you can buy investments within the trust. So that's the one way um, of establishing a trust. Another way is called the testamentary trust, whereby you build in the trust as a, you know, as a condition or as a section within your will. Then it's only established when you die, you know, and then in your will, you would specify in that section, you know, who the trustees would be, who the beneficiaries would be. And what the rules would be in terms of how the trustees must manage that funds uh, on behalf of the beneficiaries or the children. Okay, so so let's go back to the to the living uh, the, the living trust. It's the, the intervivos trust, right? I've got to get right. this right in my head. So uh, so if I wanted to put money into a living trust, there's really going to be in my head two ways that that happens. One is I can lend money to a trust. And say, you know, here's a million rand. Uh, you, you, uh, according to the taxman, you, the the trust is going to have to pay me interest. Uh, otherwise, there's all sorts of complications around that. So, um, so, so I'm going to have to lend the money to the trust. The trust is going to uh, pay me interest. I'm going to pay income tax on the interest. But now the trust has got an asset of its own. It can start investing the money, and over time, somewhere along the line, it's going to have to pay me back that that that, that loan one day. So, so to me, that's the one, the one option. The, the other option is I can donate money to a trust. And you know, as a South African individual, I'm allowed to put in 100,000 rands worth of donations to someone else without paying any kind of tax. So, so am I right in saying those are the two main ways that one would start to fund a trust? 
Yeah, Warren, there's a third way as well. But yes, that's the two main ways. Um, you know, if you loan money, then of course, there's a loan account established, then the growth of the asset would be in the trust. But then in terms of that section 7c, there's a donation tax implication annually, you know, on the interest component of that. And then between you and your spouse, there is an exemption of 100,000 Rand each. So 200,000 Rand can be donated tax-free. If you donate an amount above 200,000, there's 20% donation tax. And then uh, another structure would be, you know, that the trust could also be a shareholder of your business, you know, for entrepreneurs. You know, if the trust is a shareholder of the business, you know, then the company pays the tax and then dividend tax is paid. And then the dividend distribution from that business or from that company would be after tax. You know, that would then go to the shareholder. So that's also a way how a trust could be funded, you know, to have cash to do some investments is through the shareholder structure of, of, of the entrepreneur's businesses. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, that, that's a nice route for, for entrepreneurs. We've got a lot of entrepreneurs listening to, to, to the podcast. So Thanks for that. And I think the the the, the assets that go into a trust that, that's an important point to talk about because uh, a lot of the time people put the wrong kinds of assets into a trust and then they get caught with with tax complications later later on. So so just you know for people that are listening to me, I think the important thing there is if you're going to put an asset into the trust, it's something that you hope will move from let's say you as the, as the founder of the trust to your children and maybe one day to your children's children. So, so very typically, you know, things like, uh, I don't know, let, let's just say the, the family holiday home that's, you know, that's been in the family for generations and you want to make sure it's going to be in the family for the next few generations or the family farm or something like that. That would be a great asset to put into a trust because the idea is that you hopefully never have to sell that. And then the, the trust will look after the, the asset and you know the, the next generation will get the use of it, but they're not going to have to pay lots of taxes because it's gone from one, one generation to the next. So, so I think that that's a good reason. Are, are there other good assets or good reasons to put assets into a trust? Yeah, Warren, that's spot on. Long term, I think that is the golden rule. You know, and, and, and the other reason could also be, you know, but, but it adds on to, you know, whether it's generational assets, would it go through generations? Because as you've mentioned, you know, if the trust is the owner of the asset, you don't pay estate duty, which is 20%. You don't pay capital gains tax, because remember when you die and you are the owner of the asset, there's a deemed disposal of the, of the asset at the market value. So then you pay a lot of capital gains tax. And if it's within the trust, you know, then no capital gains tax would be paid on that. And then, of course, also executive remuneration would also be saved. So the golden rule is, you know, is assets that you want to keep over a long period of time through generations. You know, like you mentioned, farms and, um, you know, and other, you know, family assets and, and you know, that, that needs to be transferred over to the next generation. Because essentially you can lose up to, you know, 25 to 30% of that asset um you know if you own it when you die so so the the um the de definitely don't put your bitcoin in there if you're planning to chop and change and trade it because uh, because that's going to cost you a fortune uh and and george is there a sort of a minimum ideal size of asset that that you know that one should consider before starting a trust you know so if i've got you know, thousand rand, probably not a great idea to start a trust because the costs of the trust will be more than that. But but is there kind of a, an ideal benchmark for people to say, okay, I'm getting close to this amount of money, I should start to consider it? 
Yeah, that's a good question, Warren. Yeah, look, you've got to look at a couple of million, um, you know, I would say. Um, and But once again, you've got to look at your structure, you know, how are you going to do it and what is the tax implications? Because if you take 5 million and loan that to the trust, you know, then what is the the tax implications on an annual basis and are you losing a lot of money annually by paying tax to save a state duty one day when you die so you know you've got to do the calculation and look at that but if you get the five million you know from dividends you know over a couple of years because the trust is a shareholder of your company you know that would be a sensible structure you know so once again it depends on your personal circumstances but um, but you know if you look at um, you know building a trust, it's got to be you know you got you have to have the capacity and the plan, you know to put a couple of million in there or worth of assets over a couple of years. You know it's not and even worth for one or two or three million. You know that's not enough. So so we're looking at uh, you, you've mentioned that number five a couple of times. Now. Is that a good mm -hmm. benchmark? That's a good benchmark. Yeah, five to ten million. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Uh, and, and George, uh, I mean, I know it's difficult to, to give a kind of a, an exact number, but is there a ballpark as to what people should expect to pay to set up a trust? Yeah, trust cost to establish the intervivos trust would be, you know, I guess probably between eight and 15,000 rand. Okay. Um, yeah, should be a good benchmark for a, for a proper trustee. And I think that's an important thing to understand as well. You know, um, shopping around for a trust is, is okay. I mean, shopping around for anything is a good idea. Make sure, uh, you know, that you get two or three quotes if you want. But but just be really careful that if someone's offering you a trust for 2,000 bucks and George has just told us that 8 to 15 is a good range, then the likelihood is that that uh, that you might not be getting the best quality trust around uh, at, at 2,000 bucks. It's either that the person doesn't know what they're doing or they took uh, the previous client's trust and they changed mm. the names on the front and now they're, they're, they're giving uh, giving you basically very expensive paper that might not be ideal for what you need. So, so that's the, the the honest money part of the, the, the advice in the show like this. We won't put you on the spot around that one, George. But um, any any final comments, any, any final thoughts that you would want someone mm. to know about trusts? Yeah, I just want to touch on that topic, Warren. Yeah, with, um, you know, you need to do proper succession planning within the trust, you know, because the trust is a, is a vehicle going through generations. So who's the replacement trustees? You know, you know, what happens on a beneficiary level? You know, you need to make provision for your children, for their children. You need to make provision to form sub-trusts within the vehicle, you know. So, so there's a lot of technicalities, a lot of legalese inside that document. But uh, it's not off-the-shelf off document. It's a document that you've got to apply your mind to and you've got to adjust it and draft it um, you know, to suit the need of, of the family for which you are establishing that. So that's very important. Fantastic. Thank you so much, George. I think you, you know, my final word, uh, the, you know, a, cr a critical part of your, of your planning, if you've got big assets that need to go from one generation to the next, uh, really important uh, to consider a trust, especially uh, potentially a will trust, if you if you are a parent of young children. Uh, but but then make sure you get the advice. Make sure you do it properly. Don't rush it. Uh, um, you know, make sure that you 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 think about it properly. Listen to the questions that the experts are asking you because they're they're trying to make you think about you know 25, 50, 75 years time. And and there are important things that need to be considered when you when you make these decisions. 
So, so on that basis, I think we're going to wrap it up. We're, we're, we're over time again. I, I can't seem to get this timing right. Uh, and, and George, thanks so much. That was really interesting. Uh, no, no legalese that I, that I didn't understand. So thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and, and George Robertson from Galileo Advisory Services, we hope to have you again on the show in the future. Thank you very much, Warren. It was great to be part of it. Thank you for listening to Honest Money. If you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Warren Ingram. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Chat soon.